Good morning. morning. I'm going to do it one more time because I think that was probably about 70%. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. About 85? Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In the midst of all that we are walking through, he remains who he is. And I appreciate, Jan, your prayer this morning. Thank you for pointing us to lean back into him. That's what we need to do this morning. Amen? We need to lean into him. He is solid. He is the solid rock. And we can lean on him and we won't knock him over. We are in the midst of a series, a nine-week series, called It's All in the Family. And so the first three weeks, it was all in the family. And we talked about God's design for marriage for the family and how he wants to make his name known, his glory known throughout the, the earth to all tribes, all nations, all people through what he is intending to do in the family, revealing to the world who he is. This morning, we start a three-week the middle section of this study, and we're calling it Growing Pains. Anybody remember that show? Okay, raise your hand if you actually watched that show. Not, wait, 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 not on Nick at Night or in whatever you call that. Reruns, thank you. But you actually watched it when it was coming out weekly. I want, you, really? Okay, so I don't, I don't feel quite so old. Good. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at this idea that When there's growth and when God produces growth, there can be growing pains in that. The title of this morning is Growing in the Growing Pains. Growing in the Growing Pains. In the fall of 2019, just a couple of years ago, I was headed for um, Kenya. The backstory was my youngest daughter and her husband were about ready to give birth to their second child. And I had this record of always being present with all of my grandkids. Not in the same room, gross, but in the in the same building, in the same area, and to be one of the first to, to hold that newborn child. And she was due to have the child after I got back, so I left not worrying about it. Well, about halfway through, or more towards the beginning of the trip, I got word that there was a, there was a problem with the pregnancy. And the problem was this. Little baby Nora had stopped growing. In fact, she was losing weight. Mom was gaining weight, but the baby was losing weight. And I heard some moans or some sounds of, oh, because that's not good, right? Something's wrong. In the last few weeks of a pregnancy, the child should grow. And all the moms are going, oh, man, yeah. You know, that's where the stretch marks all. If you've been successful at keeping them up to the last, okay. You know, okay. All the creams, all everything. And then in a day, it goes, you know. Am I getting too personal? Okay, sorry, Paul. A little too personal. The baby just grows, and that's what we expect, that there is this growth as we prepare to meet this little child and and get to hold them and see them face to face. Well, Nora wasn't growing. In fact, she was losing weight. And I'm on the other side of the the world, and I'm getting this news, and it it was alarming to my heart. It was alarming to my heart that this little baby that I was so looking forward to see is not growing. And so that triggered some um, action by the, by the doctors and nurses, and the decision was made that they would bring her out of the womb into our presence and then try to address why she wasn't growing. So I get home, I come home, and of course one of the first things, and she is born, some of you are holding your breath, she is born, and she's small. In fact, take a look at this. I come home, and when I first come home, I hold her. She is so little. 
In fact, we laid her next to an iPad. Look at this. <laughs> That's an iPad mini. No, just kidding. That's a regular size iPad. Um, and so she, she, was, she was beautiful. She was precious. But something had gone wrong because she wasn't growing like was expected. Now, God's faithfulness and his work in her life, this is what she looks like today. She's, I can't remember if she's about two. This was at her home not too long ago. And I want you to watch this little video, just a few seconds. Watch this. <laughs> she came into the garage to help me, and then she decided she didn't want to. I think I could watch that a hundred times in a row. Isn't that good? What's happening? She's growing. She's growing. You see, growth is expected. In fact, if we go back to where we started the series, God designed us to grow. That's what, if, if everything is in place, growth happens naturally, right? And if, it's, if it stops, whether it's physical or mental or any kind of, you know, developmental, if growth stops or it seems like it's hindered, we're, we're worried, we're concerned, because the expectation is that we would grow. You see, everything that God creates, he intends to grow. Physically, you remember he told Adam and Eve, he says, I want you to go into the world and I want you to be fruitful. I want the population to grow. In fact, he's given all of creation, all of life, the capacity to reproduce, to grow. We would even maybe conclude or say that maturity, when something is matured, then it has the ability to Reproduce a tree, animals, people. We're expected to grow. Everything God designs, everything God creates, He expects there to be growth. It's true of the church. It's true true of the church. He expects us to grow. And if there's not growth, there's a problem. Can we agree on that? There's a problem. The the struggle we have is we're in a case like with, with Nora, we were right on top of it. The doctors are on top of it. But sometimes in other areas of growth, like a local church or a family or relationships, we're not so quick to, to capture that, to recognize that, and then say something's wrong. What do we need to do so that there's growth? Sometimes the problem is we, we understand that there's growing pains. When I was a young, young boy in another millennia, literally, <laughs> Um, I used to have, now you look at me and you think there's no way you had growing pains, but um, at the time, I had these, these calf cramps at night. Anybody know what that is? And I'm telling you, it just, it, it was incredibly painful. And it was, it was growth, my body was trying to grow and there was, and so my mom would, you know, she would massage my calf. I don't know if you remember that mom, but she would wake me up in the night and she'd massage it and then I'd go back to sleep and, you know, that's okay, that's, 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 Growing pains, that kind of thing happens. And we don't, we're not always on top of saying, okay, is it, is it something we need to address, something we need to change? When we look at the church and the body of Christ, the family of God, and there's not growth or there's struggling in growth, sometimes we're a little slow to say, okay, what's wrong? In other words, we kind of, within the family of God or maybe spiritually, sometimes we accept not growing as the normal. You with me? Say yes if, you, if you're not. Say no, because we'll keep going. I got all day, so <laughs> I don't. 
we just accept it as that's what's normal, and so we kind of live with it. But God intends his creation to grow. He intends the family to grow. He intends marriages to grow. He intends the church to grow. If we go back to the beginning of the church, this is very exciting. If we go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, right when the church is being birthed, the Holy Spirit has come and, and begun to fill the, the disciples, and one of the first things that happens is one of his apostles, his disciples, gets up and preaches. I think that's really significant. Yeah, that was kind of a joke, but because I'm up here, okay, never mind. If you have to explain it, then it's not, it doesn't work. He gets up to preach, and he says in verse 38, he says, repent. Repent, Peter says to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for, for those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words. Matt, how do we interpret that? How long do you think that was? A couple hours, maybe? At least. Okay, good. So Matt and I agree. Uh, you know, many other words he testified, and he strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this, this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about, what does your Bible say? 3,000 people were added to the church. Does God intend growth to happen? He does. He intends his church to grow. But if we stop right there, we don't get the whole picture. If we go, and we're going to do a quick survey. Don't, you, you can mark this down, but don't turn there. In Acts chapter 3 and 4, the, the growing pains begin. Almost instantly, the growing pains begin. Now, partly because it went, maybe the church went from a couple hundred to several thousand. That's a piece of it. And now they can't be ignored anymore. But conflict begins right away with the Jewish leaders. There are even threats made, and there are arrests, and there's on ongoing conflict. In chapter 5, we have people giving to care for one another, and then we have a couple named Ananias and Sapphira decide to lie about what they sold their property for, and God strikes them down. This is growing pains, figuring out what, who God is and the Holy Spirit and his ministry in their lives, and, and we look at that and we go, well, yeah, well, they deserved it, right? Because they, but think of the impact on that church family. How that, how that impacted what was happening. What are we doing wrong? What's happening? In chapter 6, we, we find that there's already division. The widows are not being cared for equally. The Jewish widows and the Gentile widows are not being cared for equally. And there's division. There's prejudice happening. Jewish and, and non-Jewish. In chapter 7, one of the young bright stars, if you will, of the, of the leadership of the church, Stephen, this deacon, is executed. He's stoned. He's He's killed. And he's killed because he's preaching this incredible message of God's grace and repentance and come to God through Jesus Christ. And they, they kill him. And if you turn to Acts chapter 8, and you're welcome to do that, and you open up your Bible and you look at the beginning of Acts chapter 8, we're told that the church is being persecuted and everyone except for the apostles are running for their lives. But guess what they're doing as they're running for their lives? They're preaching the gospel everywhere they go. So God is bringing growth. There's growing even in the growing pains. Now, I want to I focus on this a little bit this morning because I think this, is, this, this will provide a foundation for us in, in walking through the growing pains and, and having a clear understanding of how deeply invested God is in growth. 
The part I didn't tell you about um, when I was in Uganda is it was, there was something on my face one night. We were getting ready to have dinner, and there was about 30, 40 pastors that had come. They had traveled um, from far away, and they were tired, and they were kind of talking to each other. They were from different countries, and somebody saw something. I, don't know, I wasn't intending for them to, but somebody saw something on my face, and they, say, they said, Pastor Cut, what's wrong? And I said, oh, and I didn't want to interject that into the moment, and I, I did. I said, well, my, and I told them the story. And that person went over and, and grabbed, the, the, got the attention in, in Swahili, the common language, and got them all together and said, we're going to have a prayer meeting right now for this little girl. And they did. I didn't understand a word of it. It was in Swahili, but God did. And it was in that, that time frame that God was revealing what he was going to do and how he was going to provide for Nora to come safely into the world and then begin to grow. See, God's deeply invested in growth. More than I am. Because I'm on the other side of the world going, I, I don't know what to do. I, I mean, I can pray, but I don't know what to do. I feel powerless. Meanwhile, God is, I, I got this. I should have leaned in a little bit more and into, into God. But there were others that said, no, God is deeply invested in growth. And whatever it looks like, he's going to be faithful and he's going to provide. He's going to bring glory to his name. And he did. He's deeply invested in growth. Let me say it differently. He expects us to grow. In the same way we expect our children to grow, we expect our, I was just talking this morning about someone, to someone who's been married for a very long time. We expect, we hope, we want marriage to grow sweeter as it goes longer. And if it doesn't, there's, a, right? there's something wrong. We expect growth. God expects growth. In fact, there's places where we might say that he, he demands it, he, but he provides. He provides for it. He's deeply invested in growth. And the passage that I want you to join me in is Ephesians chapter 4, verses, verses 11 through 16. We're going to come back to Acts 2. Keep your finger there. We'll come back to Acts 2 in, in just a few minutes. But join me in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and in verse 11, he, and he's talking big stuff. I mean, you read verses 1 through 10. He is talking big picture, God's redemptive plan, and what God is doing, and how, he, how he's doing it, how he's provided for it. And in verse 11, he, he turns to the church, and he, and he wants the church to know this. He wants us to understand this. He, meaning God, and in most translations, it'll say he himself or he personally, because the, the personal pronoun that he uses there, it has this idea of turning it back on itself. He was, it's, it's him. It wasn't through a proxy. It wasn't through some other means. God himself, God personally gave. He gave some, he provided some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And he did this, we're told, for the training of the saints in the work of ministry, to equip believers, the disciples, to do the work of ministry. He did this to build up the body of Christ, to edify, to make sure we have what we need to move forward to build up the body of Christ until we all, and it's an interesting word, it can mean individual or corporate, individually and all together, we all were moving together. Some might say this is momentum. He did this so that we all reach unity. We all come to a place of unity. And that unity is in the faith, in the word of God that God has revealed to us, 
in the faith, what it is that we put our trust in, in the faith, and even more intimate than that, in the knowledge of God's Son. So there's an intellectual unity that I understand the truth and we come to agreement, unity in this, but there's a personal, there's, a, there's a other parts of my inner being emotionally as well that I come to understand who Jesus truly is. And we have a unity in that. Is there unity in our world as to who Jesus is? There's not, is there? He's this, he's that, he's, he he's didn't do that, he did do that. We spent all of 2020 bringing Jesus into focus. Why did we do that? Because even within our own hearts and minds, there may not be unity yet. We haven't grown to that. Do, there's a, do, do we have to agree on, all, on, on everything? No. But Paul says God did this. He provided the, these, these leadership roles for the purpose of bringing the body of Christ, the disciples the church, to a unity in the faith and understanding of his word and in the knowledge of God's Son, Jesus Christ, so that we would be growing into mature people, growing into a mature man or woman, or young person even, growing into a mature person with a stature measured by Christ, by Christ's stature. Or who he is. And this is, a, this is a, an emphasis on what you see. This is the word that's used when it's, we're told Jesus grew in stature as a young man. It's the, expect, it's the ex, expected evidence at any stage of life. You saw Nora walking in the garage? You see her? Do you see how she walked? Was that okay that she walked that way? At this point, yeah. When she tries out for the track team in high school? No, not so much. <laughs> You know, her outward stature needs to change, right? We look at that and the coach would go, thanks for trying out. You know, I'll let you know. But at that stage of life, we look at the exterior and go, that's appropriate. We were looking for certain things. I mean, moms, good grief. Moms are so, and I'll, I hope this is the right word, competitive about when their kids walk. Oh, come on, right? Well, my child walked at, you know, 13. Well, mine, mine walked out of the womb. The doctor had to stop him from leaving the room. Right? We, because there's like, when, when are they going to get their teeth? <gasps> and when do you start panicking that the teeth aren't there? Or when will they walk? We have appropriate expectations of the stature at different stages of life. And he says the measurement for maturity, the measurement for growth, the measurement for unity in the church is that we would grow into this, this image of Jesus, that we would use him as the measurement, what we see in him, what we hear in him. That's my target. That's the goal, that we would grow into mature people with a stature that's measured by Christ's fullness, his completeness. There's nothing lacking in Jesus' example, is there? I don't think there is. I'm confident there's not. And here's what will happen. Look at your Bible. Look at the screen behind me. Follow with me. Then... When this happens, this growth happens, this fullness, this maturity happens, then we will no longer be little children, and we won't be tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, every new idea. And then he, then he, he tells us what he's really concerned about. There's, there is human cunningness, and there's cleverness, and there's techniques of deceit. Do you see it? This wind that he's talking about blowing us around, this wind of teaching, he goes into more detail. There's human cunningness and cleverness in the techniques of deceit. He's saying people can mislead the immature. It ha it ha and it's not an age thing. 
It can happen as a child. It can happen as a teenager. It can happen as an adult. It can happen to an old guy. Right? He says, this, this is what we're trying to, to be warned about. He says, I want you to grow up in Christ so that you're no longer like a little child tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunningness and the cleverness and techniques of deceit, but instead that you're equipped to speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, let us grow. Let us grow, let us grow. Does that pop in your head? No? You know what I'm talking about? Thank you, okay. Okay, some of you do. If you have kids or grandkids, you know. Let us, actually, I think it's that little uh, Dr. Seuss thing, that tree thing. The thorax, I think that's what I'm thinking of. The thorax. <laughs> the lorax. My wife's the medical expert, not me. Let us grow. Here's Paul's heart, and he's speaking by, by the Holy Spirit. Let us grow in every way into him, into Jesus, who is the head. That is Christ, our Messiah. And from him, from the head, he's using this body illustration, from him, the head, from Jesus, the whole body, all the rest of us, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. You see the picture of the body that he's describing? All held together, all connected, working together, promotes the growth of the body. We call it health, don't we? We call it health. We prayed this morning for healing because there are many in our family that they don't have health right now. Their body is not working together like it should. It's not held together with the singular goal of health, of life. From him, from the head, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Now, we're not talking about this this morning, but I feel compelled to just throw this question out to, for you to write down to be thinking about if you haven't. Do you know what body part you are? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you're a part of his family and he's led you to connect to a local body such as Crossroads, you are a body part. You with me? And each of us needs to discover what that is. We're told in Corinthians that the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts which determines our, our function in the body for the good of the church, for the health of the church, for the growth of the church. This is a, a tangent, but I think it's connected. We're not going to experience growth the way God intends if we're not all functioning as the body parts that we're called to function at, so that we can support. And it's not about me. It's not about us, right? Remember Paul says, what if the whole body decides it wants to be an eyeball, this big gooey thing? Think about the, the carpet cleaning costs we would entail. Are you with me? Are you awake? Okay. If, what, if, if somebody wants to be, if we all want to be an ear. No, the health of the body, the growth that God intends requires that we discover what's my, what's my spiritual gifts? What is the Holy Spirit given to me for the good of you? And for you to do the same so that then together this picture he describes is that we're building each other up in love because we're all working properly as our individual parts should work. Now, let me, let me throw, throw out some things this morning that are, have captured my heart from this text, and I encourage you to write them down. Write, write something down. Capture something this morning as you listen to God. Number one, God has provided who we need for growth. He's provided who we need. Did you see the leaders? 
Did you know that the primary role of leaders, the primary roles of elder today, pastor, teacher, elders, shepherds, you know that our primary role is to equip the body so that it can grow? Do you know that? That's what it says here. That's my primary function. That's Matt's primary function. Jeff, Don, Andy, and I'm already leaving. Ron, Scott, John Burgess, Nate, Joe, Don. Did I say Unky Don? That's our primary function. In fact, get ready for this. You ready? You in a good mood? We are God's gifts to you. <laughs> yeah? But seriously, isn't it say this is what God gives? Now, you can take it up with God. You know, if you're that kid on Christmas morning, doesn't like the gifts, you know, take it up with him. But he, he's given us who we need. He's given us leaders that exist for the promotion and the responsibility of equipping for growth. He's also given us the body. Did you see that? I hope we've been talking about it. The body is designed. This is, this is not an organization. This is not a business. Some say this is an organism. The Bible says it's a building. It's a body. And a body only has health. It only attains health when all the body parts are functioning. Now, there's something about getting old that makes this so much more real. You're young. Everything's working. You never go to the doctor. This takes on a whole new meaning when you find yourself going to the doctor like every year. You know, gallbladder removal, Meckel's diverticulitis, hernia. I had three years, three. You know, and you're like, what is happening? What's happening is my body parts aren't working like they're supposed to. And I'm feeling the consequences of that. He's given us who we need for growth. He's placed us in a body. And we need each other. We need each other. It's hard to say out loud, I know. Pride gets in the way. Or maybe because some of us think of ourselves as more important body parts than other body parts. The kidney thinks it's a little more important than the, than the toenail. Or the thorax. <laughs> Kick your pinky into the side of your bed one morning and see how important it is <laughs> that the little pinky is functioning as it should. He's given us who we need for growth. The leadership, the body of Christ. He's given us Jesus as an example. I hope you see that so clearly there, that he's the measuring stick. He, he didn't come and die at 30 years old. He came and was born as a baby, and he lived among us, and he was tempted in every way that we are tempted. And someone mentioned it this morning, I think Nate did, that he understands what we're going through. Why? How? Because he lived here on this planet among the sin, among the brokenness of this planet. And he understands and he models for us what it looks like to be mature, what to grow up, to look like. Well, what we should look like when we grow up. You ever said that? When I grow up, I want to be him or I want to be like her. I've said that. What we should be saying is when I grow up, I want to be like Jesus. I want to look and act and talk like Jesus. Is that presumptuous? Not at all. Because that's what he's given us and is an example. And let me just add one more who he's given us, and I'll give you the text. It's John chapter 14, 15 to 18. John chapter 14, verses 15, to 18, 15 through 18. He's given us the Spirit. Has he not? You say, man, I don't know if I can do this alone. No, you can't. You cannot function as the body part he's designed you to be in your own strength. You need the Spirit of God who distributes the gifts for the good of the body to then be the power for you to live out that function, that role in the body. And he's given us that. 
He's given us the Holy Spirit. Not only has he provided who we need for growth, he's also provided what we need for growth. And I'm just going to throw out some words. Equipping. Did you see it there? He said, well, I need to be trained. Good, because he's provided it. He's given us edifying. We need, I need to be built up. I'm immature. I need to grow. Absolutely, that's awesome. He's provided for that. Well, I need, I need a sense of belonging. I need to know that I'm a part of, that I'm accepted in, and I'm a part of something bigger than myself. Absolutely, you belong. You're a part of the body, every single body part. Do you see any body part anywhere in Scripture being indicated that it's less important than any other body part? You can't find it. You won't find in Scripture that this body part's more important than that. No, every body part is responsible and needed for the health of the body of Jesus Christ. We need each other. And so you belong. He's provided that. What about nurturing? Do we need to be nurtured? Do we need to be encouraged? Yeah, we do. Nora needed, man, she needed all kinds of help to nurture her health so that her body could then grow. And when she got that, what was happening is in the womb is that there was a disconnect from the placenta, and she wasn't getting nourishment. She wasn't being nurtured in the womb. Is that a problem? Yeah, it's a problem. And so we, they took her, got her out, and they began to nurture her and provide her with what she needed. And guess what happened when she was nurtured? She began to grow, and she's still doing it today. Do we need nurturing as adults to grow spiritually? Yes, we do, and the New Testament is full of that. And it's provided for us. He's provided everything we need to grow. In fact, I believe, and Jeff helped me, because I know this is a verse we've talked a lot about. He's provided us everything we need for life and godliness. Second Peter 1. Okay. I love putting you on the spot. Thank you for being right. Second Peter chapter 1. He's provided everything we need for a life of godliness. He's provided us everything we need. And thirdly, God has even provided the why that we need to grow. Because some of you need the why more than others. You with me? Right? All of us have at least one of those children or had one of those children. Why? 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 Okay, we're going to do Why? Well, yeah, but see, we need, but why? Right now you're all thinking about that child in, in your family, right? Why? And, and some of us are going, why? What is the why? Let me give you four. There's many, but let me give you four that I see in this text. Number one is maturity. The why is that he wants us to be mature. Did you see the warning in here? Why it's important to be mature? So that you and I can distinguish between truth and falsehood. Is that important? It's hugely important. It's huge. Everything rests on that. We surround our kids. We protect them. We put rules in place. We do all these things because we recognize at any given age they don't have enough maturity to protect themselves from the dangers in this world. And it starts out, don't touch the hot stove. Don't cross the street. Don't, you know, do, don't swallow that penny. Don't feed that penny to don't, don't, where's my wife? Don't feed um, jelly bellies to your, your sister, you know. Because she'll shove them up her nose and you'll pull over on the side of the road and she'll be choking to death and you will do the Heimlich and shoot a jelly bean. A red hot, whatever those hot things are. Red hots. Oh, duh. Okay, red hots. And so we protect, right? We, we say, you, there's dangers. But what about spiritually? What about spiritually? And, what, and, and every wind of all these deceit and this, this, this cunning, is that still happening in our world? Of course it is. You turn on the TV, you listen to the radio, you pick up a book, you talk to, to another human being. Everywhere we turn, the why that he wants growth is that he wants us to be mature. He wants us to be able to distinguish between truth that will set us free and falsehood that will destroy us. 
You with me? This is huge. God's provided the why. The why is I want you to be mature. Number two, conformity. He wants us to conform not to each other, but to whom? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. To become more and more like Jesus. Number three, the why is so that we would be productive. That we would literally produce growth or support growth in the other body parts. See, why is it critically important for me to know my part in the body and to function in that role? For my, for my sake? Not primarily. It's for you. And whatever your role is for me and for the person sitting next to you. See, he, he wants us to be productive. And he understands, he knows, he designed it this way, that we all need to find that role and serve in that role and be fruitful in that role so that we can support the ligaments, all the structures that our body has in place as a, a picture of the church of, of God, the family of God. And I need all these systems to work. I need my respiratory system. I need my, what? Thorax. I need my thorax to work. I need, I need everything to work together. Do you understand how devastating it is when the body part systems begin to work against each other? Cancer is one, yeah. There's a whole list of autoimmune that the, the, the function of the body begins to attack it. It, it perverts and it attacks what it's supposed to be helped. You with me? Does that happen in the church? It does. And growth stops. God's intent is that there be productivity. Number four, identity. He wants us to know that it's not about us. It's about him, the head, and his body functioning the way he designed it to function. God is so deeply invested in growth. He wants his body to reflect accurately who he is. The body needs to reflect the head. Yes, that's the picture here. Go back with me now to Acts 2 as my time is coming to an end. I want to take us back to Acts 2 just for a minute or two. God is so deeply invested in growth. He wants maturity. He wants conformity to the image of his son. He wants us to be productive and fruitful. And he wants us to have a clear identity of our part in the body and why what he's trying to accomplish we go back to chapter 2 of Acts, and they, verse 42, they devoted themselves. Note that word, underline it, circle it, do something to I just highlight. They devoted, they gave themselves repeatedly. They gave literally their full attention to something. They gave their full attention to the apostles' teaching, the truth of God's word. They gave themselves fully to the fellowship, the community, the intimacy of the body of Christ. And what we've just looked at, if we bring that template and lay it over this text, he's saying they gave themselves to the health of the body. Can you see that? They were devoted to the health of the body. We read some of it. Matt read some of it yesterday at, at, uh, at Momentum, what it looked like, how they sold things. Nothing was their own, right? They didn't say, well, I have, hey, you know what? You need it. Here, let me sell it. Here you go. Because ultimately, what I'm devoted to is the health of the body, they gave themselves fully to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the health of the body, to the breaking of bread. The word bread here is something that has been consecrated, set apart to the Lord. It was certainly a meal. It was also what we were, we were about to do in just a few minutes in coming to the Lord's table and remembering who Jesus is. It's worship. It's what we've been doing this morning in our singing. 
It's what we've been doing this morning in our ministry and our serving and our interacting with each other. It's worship of God. And they gave themselves fully to prayer. And what happened? You know the end of the story, right? I'm going to jump down because I'm out of time. But you drop, drop down to verse 47. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What is that? That's growth. Now, I'm not talking about numbers. There's certainly numbers there. But I'm saying that growth is really evidenced by verse 42. The growth was that they gave themselves fully to truth, to fellowship, to worship, and to prayer. That was the growth in the church. And it would continue to grow even in the growing pains that we've already noted. God is deeply, deeply invested in your growth and my growth. He's provided everything we need. And he's looking to you and me. He's looking to you and me to say, are you going to step into this investment that I've made? Are you going to see yourself in the way that I see you as a part of a body? I've given you gifts. I've given you the Holy Spirit. You have, every, you have the who, the what, and the why. Now come together with the people of God, the family of God, and let's serve one another so that we grow. Again, it's more than, than numbers, right? I know we get, we get fixated on that. Look how many people are here this morning. Is there room? And, and Are we, we together? Let's come to the Lord's table. Can we do that this morning? Let's remember. Let's give ourselves fully to one of these values that we see in Acts, that we worship him. And after we do that, we're going we're gonna to continue to worship him in our response and our singing this morning. But let's, let's gather at the Lord's table. Scott?